on Ruthie's Australia, Ruthie's Roadback, powered by ArcPak. Exploring Australia with you for 40 years. Well, this next person didn't swim back to England when she escaped from the Australian <laughs> shores by being a female convict, the first female convict to escape Australia. Her name was Mary Bryant. Ruthie, tell us who Mary Bryant was and okay. how did she actually get back? Obviously, well, used to ride on a boat. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, she she and her husband and a couple of other people actually stole a boat. But um, it's a bit of a story before they even got to that stage. I mean, Mary Bryant, or Broad, as some people called her, her parents' name was Broad, um, were Cornish fishing folk. Now, you know, Cornwall is what you see on uh, Doc Martin on the telly. It's all those, you know, little west southwest coast of England type places. Um, and the amazing thing is she was born in 1765, and this is a place where the fishing was always good, there was normally good crops, there was a lot of sheep, and yet the poor people starved. And that is pretty much the story of a whole bunch of England in the 1760s, 1770s, when they started all the land enclosures, when industry was really kicking on, and, you know, literally the poor people were sort of leading the cause as far as getting treated really badly went. Now, young Mary, well, her parents were fisher folk, as I might have mentioned, and her dad had a little bit of a name for, um, let's just say, being loose with the ownership of sheep. In other words, he used to borrow more than one sheep. He would have made a good Aussie himself, I'd say. could have been a swag man, at least. But um, the whole thing is that, you know, the rumours around Mary was that her family was a little bit wild. They didn't always listen to what they're supposed to listen to. So she was born in 1765. When she was 17, barely 17, uh, she got into all sorts of strife for supposedly assaulting a lady on a road near Plymouth. Now, this lady's name was Agnes Lakerman, and from what I know, Mary and a couple of her friends, because you can read so many of these histories and, and they're all a little bit skew if as far as the details go. No one ever really knows what happened back then. The only resources we have are the jail records and the court records themselves. And sometimes they're a little bit skew if too, because, you know, there's a lot to be said for putting a spin on something. But it was a. Agnes apparently was wearing a silk bonnet. So Mary came from nowhere with her friends, bowled Agnes over, pinched the silk bonnet. It was worth 12 pence. Now, apparently Mary also uh, pinched a couple of other things that Agnes had, including some food. And I would like to think that that's probably the main reason that this so-called attack, if you want to call it that, uh, happened, because Agnes had some food. But anyway, whatever, there was about a pound's worth of stuff involved in this and the bowling over of a lady who had a few connections. All that led, as it did in those times in England, to a severe sentence because at the end of the day, it was all about private property. Theft could get you hung, okay? Simple as that. So even though Mary was barely 17, she was sentenced to hang and so were her two friends. And that was 1786, by the time that happened. Um, and there she is, locked up in jail. You know, she's going to be sentenced to hang. Well, somewhere along the line, as they did for so many people around now, they decided, well, you know, 
we just can't hang the whole population. So they started sending people to Australia. She got transported to Australia for seven years. Bear in mind that the whole idea of transportation to Australia was essentially to get you out of England, to get these scum, as they were thought of, out of England. Well, from the little bit we know about Mary, she was anything but scum. She was a very tough lady. Uh, she also was a, a very attractive lady as far as men went. And um, we know this because even though there was a shortage of women, Mary always seemed to have a bit of charm about her when it came to uh, officers and gentlemen and others. But she was also quite a reliable lady too. And while she was in jail, she'd met up with a guy called William Bryant. And they had a bit of an affair. Now, I don't know how this happened in the jails of old, but it sounds like the only bars were on the outside of the place, not on the inside somehow. But anyway, quite a bit of this went on. Mary uh, found herself pregnant. Um, and before long, there she is on a ship, along with Bryant. She was on a ship called the Charlotte uh, on the First Fleet. And remember that the First Fleet passage itself was a bit of a hell trip. I mean, it you know, from Portsmouth in England, they sailed down the sea to Rio de Janeiro on the uh, east coast coast of South America and then this all had to do with prevailing winds and tides obviously there was a, a probably no quicker way to Australia given the way the world turns um, they got to Rio de Janeiro then they sailed across to Cape Town and eventually they sailed right across that long sea and landed in Botany Bay 10 months that trip took and if you were listening you know she was pregnant when she got on the ship so she had a baby whilst on the ship and of course she called the first her first baby Charlotte so when she finally arrived in Australia um, William was a convicted smuggler now he was a Cornishman too so they had a few things in common right to start with but he was also really good in boats and he'd worked as a fisherman now a skill like that in the first colony in Australia was just amazing. That was that was almost a licence to uh, cut yourself free of the riffraff to some degree. And so William took advantage of it pretty soon. He's the colony's number one fisherman. Um, he's got his own little cottage. Mary's living with him. Uh, pretty soon they have a son called Emmanuel in 1790. But all the time they're just thinking about escape. All they wanted to do was get out of New South Wales. And Eventually, what happened to William was he got caught selling fish that he'd caught that should have been part of the uh, whole community stockpile of food. Well, he was selling them on the side. And so he got 100 lashes. Now, as we know from plenty of talks about convict times, 100 lashes is almost enough to cripple someone. And certainly, when it came William's turn to uh, take his lashes, he took them very bravely. But he was permanently scarred, and I don't just mean the ones on his back. Somewhere along the line, he and Mary, who'd been forced to watch this, just knew that they wanted to escape. Now, they had other advantages that the other convicts didn't have. One was that uh, William knew all about boats, was a bit of a navigator. Um, and they soon picked up with some fellow prisoners, William Allen, James Martin, uh, Samuel Bird, Samuel Broom, John Butcher, and they just decided that they were going to pinch the governor's boat. <laughs> Governor Arthur Phillips had a six-oared cutter. Now, for those people who don't know about this, this is essentially just a big rowboat. You know, It's about 20 foot long, if that. It's got a, a single sail in the middle, and it's got some oars. And off they went. They pinched the boat. Um, William Morton, one of the escapees, he was an experienced navigator too, and 
they pinched the boat and they sailed right up the coast of Australia. Now, they were exploring, before we even knew the word, the uh, east coast of Australia. They sailed all the way up through, you know, the beautiful islands that we now go four-wheel driving on, all the rest of it. Every now and then they'd beach and they'd try and hunt for a kangaroo or something. They'd replenish their water stocks, whatever they could do. But it was literally a hell trip. And pretty soon the little boat was leaking water. Um, Mary, at least two or uh, two or three of the convicts had to keep bailing constantly. There wasn't always good winds up that end. They knew where they wanted to go. They wanted to get to East Timor, which, you know, is not that far away in terms of where's England, but um, it's still a long way in a boat. Took them 66 days. It's about 5,000 kilometres. What an insane voyage. There's only one other voyage in an open boat that's ever paralleled this, as far as I'm aware of, and that was around the same time. It was uh, Bligh. You know, mutiny on the bounty, Bly, good old Governor Bly. Um, so Mary Bryant was involved in this. Along the way, some of the men died. Uh, Mary didn't. Her kids stayed alive. It was all good. They got to East Timor, and they pretended that they were shipwrecked Englishmen from a, from a, a ship that had gone down there reasonably recently. Um, and they get along with they got along with that for a while until William got drunk one night and started boasting about how he'd managed to escape the penal colony. Now, next thing you know, the Dutch have, you know, stuck them back in jail. The next English ship that comes through takes them all back to England. So Mary has essentially achieved her aim of getting back to England. The problem was that that trip was also a hill trip. They had to go around the other way, around the world. It took nine months. Both her children died of fever. William died of fever. She lost her entire family. She got back to England only to be pulled up in court and sentenced to hang again. But this time around, a guy called James Boswell, who was, he had a bit of a reputation with, um, you know, shall we say the convict ladies and all the rest of it, but he took an interest in Mary and he was also a public defender and a, a justice of the peace. So he had a whole lot of influence. Next thing you know, Mary... All she has to do is serve out her seven-year transportation term, but she doesn't get sent back to Australia. That's the fascinating part. And eventually, Mary, not literally this time, but off she goes on a horse back to Cornwall. We don't even know what happened to her. We know that for a while, Boswell was paying her £10 a year. Um, We can only assume why. We don't really know why. Uh, A little bit of a pension on her behalf, and she just basically disappeared. The last thing... We don't even have a record of a death. We don't know what happened to her. But we do know that she got back to Cornwall. A very hard life, insane hardships to get there, those massive cruisers, the death ship conditions of the First Fleet, and that even worse sail for her from East Timor back losing the kids. What a story. There's a movie about it. If you see the movie, watch out. It takes a whole lot of the love interests and twists them up and a lot of the historical stuff and twists it down. But it doesn't really matter. The essence of the story is the same. An amazing lady, an amazing time. Unbelievable. And there it is. And there are the stories that we like to bring you on Ruthie's Road back each week. And uh, that is incredible. And what a life that she had. And uh, pretty hard one at that. And, uh, mate, try doing that today. And I just don't think it would happen.